0: Good evening. Welcome back to Good Night Stories with Nick. This is episode three. We'll be reading from chapter six of Jim Tice's The Eye of Argon. Chapter six. Take hold of this rope, said the first soldier, and climb out from your pit, slut. "'Your presence is requested in another, far deeper hell hole.' "'Grignir slipped his right hand to his thigh, "'concealing a small, opaque object "'beneath the folds of the G-string wrapped around his waist. "'Brian Wells swelled in Grignir's cold, jade, squinting eyes.' which, grown accustomed to the gloom of the stygian pools of ebony engulfing him, were bedazzled and blinded by flickering, flickering radiance cast forth by the second soldier's resin torch. Tightly gripped in the second soldier's right hand opposite the intermittent torch was a large double-edged axe a long, leather-wound oaken handle transfixing the center of the weapon's iron head. Adorning the torsos of both of the sentries were thin yet sturdy hauberks, the brett plates of which were woven of tightly hemmed twines of reinforced silver braiding. Cupping the soldiers' feet were thick leather sandals wound about their shins to two inches below their knees. Wrapped about their ra- waists were wide satin girdles with slender bladed poniards dangling loosely from them, the hilts of which featured scarlet encrusted gems. Resting upon the manes of their heads and reaching midway to their brows were smooth copper morions. Spiraling the lower portion of the helmet were short up curved silver spikes, while a golden humped spire from the top of each bassinet. Beneath their chins, wound around their necks, and draping their clad shoulders, dangled regal purple satin cloaks, which flowed midway to the soldiers' feet. Hand over hand, feet braced against the dank walls of the enclosure, huge Grignir ascended from the mouldering depths of the forlorn abyss, his swelled limbs stiff due to the boredom of a timeless inactivity compounded by the musty atmosphere and jagged granite protuberance against his body craved for action. The opportunity now presenting itself served the purpose of oiling his rusty joints and honing his dulled senses. He braced himself, facing the second soldier. The sentry's stature was, was wildly exaggerated in the glare of the flickering cresset cuppex in his right fist. His eyes were wide open in a slightly slanted, owlish glaze, enhanced in their sinister intensity by the hawkbill curve of his nose and pale yellow peak of his cheeks. Place your hand-oh, sorry. Place your hands behind your back, said the second soldier, as he raised his axe over his right soldier, shoulder blade and cast it in a wavering glance. We must bind your wrists to parry any attempts at escape. But be sure to make the knot a stout one, Broig. We wouldn't want our guest to take leave of our guidance. Broig grasped Grign- Grignir's mm, wow. left wrist and reached for the barbarian's right wrist. Grignir wrenched his right arm free and swiveled to face Broig. Reach beneath his loincloth, reach beneath his loincloth with his right hand. The sentry grappled at his girdle for the sheathed dagger, but recoiled short of his intentions as Grignier's right arm swept to his gorge. The soldier went limp, his bobbing eyes rolling beneath fluttering eyelids, a deep welt across his spouting gullet. Without lingering to observe the result of his efforts, Grignir dropped to his knees. The second soldier's axe cleft over Grignir's head in a blaze of silvered ferocity, severing several scarlet locks from his scalp. Coming to rest in his fellow's stomach, the iron head crashed through mail and flesh with splintering force, spilling a pool of crimsoned entrails over the granite paving. Before the sentry could wrench his axe free from his comrade's carcass, he found Grignir's massive hands clasped around his throat, chalking the life from his clamped lungs. With a zealous grunt, the accordion flexed his tightly corded biceps, forcing the grim-faced soldier to one knee. The sentry plunged his right fist into Grignir's face, digging his grimy nails into the barbarian's flesh. Ejaculating a curse through rasping teeth, Grignir surged the bulk of his weight forward, bowling the besieged soldier over upon his back. The sentry's arms collapsed to his thigh, shuddering convulsively, his bulging eyes staring blindly from a bloated, cherry-red face. Rising to his feet, Grignir shook the blood from his eyes, ruffling his surly red mane as a brush fire swaying to the nighttime breeze. Stooping over the sprawled corpse of the first soldier, Grignir retrieved a small white object from a pool of congealing gore. Snorting a gusty billow of mirth, he once more concealed the tiny object beneath his loincloth the tediously honed pelvis bone of the broken rodent. Returning his attention towards the second soldier, Grignir turned to the task of attiring his limbs. To move about freely through the dim recesses of the castle would require the grotesque garb of its soldiery. Utilizing the silence and stealth acquired in the untamed climes of his childhood, Grignier slinked through twisting corridors and winding stairways, lighting his way with the confiscated torch of his dispatched guardian. Knowing where his steps were leading to, Grignier meandered aimlessly in search of an exit from the chateau's dim confines. The wild blood coursing through his veins yearned for the undefiled freedom of the livid wilderness lands. Coming upon a fork in the passage, he shrieked, voices accompanied by clinking footfalls discerned, discerned to his sensitive ears from the left corridor. Wishing to avoid contact, Grignier veered to the right passageway. If acquested as to the purpose of his presence, his barbarous accent would reveal his identity, being that his attire was not that of the castle's mercenary troops. In grim silence Grignier treaded down the dingily lit corridor a stalking panther creeping warily along padded feet after an interminable period of wandering through the dull corridors no gaps to break the monotony of the cold gray walls Grignier espied a small winding stairway descending the flight of arced granite oh descending the flight of arched granite slabs to their posterior Grignir was confronted by a short hallway leading to a tall, arched wooden doorway. Halting before the teeming portal portal, Grignier rests his shaggy head sideways against the barrier. Detecting no sounds from within, he grasped the looped, metal handle of the door, his arms surging with a tremendous effort of bulging muscles, yet the door would not budge. Retrieving his axe from where he had sheathed it beneath his girdle, he hefted it, in his mighty hands, with an apeseed grunt, and wedging one of its blackened edges into the crack between the portal and its iron-rhymed sill. Bracing his sandaled right foot against the rub... Ooh. Bracing his sandaled right foot against the rudely-hewn wall, teeth tightly clenched, Grignir levered the oaken haft, employing it as a lever, whereby to pry open the barrier... Sorry... Grignir appalevered the oaken haft, employing it as a lever whereby to pry open the barrier. The leather-wound hilt, bending to its utmost limits of endurance, the massive portal swung open with a grating of snapped latch and rusty iron hinges. Glancing about the dust-swirled room in the gloomily dancing glare of his flink-flickering cresset, Grignier eyed evidences of the enclosure being nothing more than a forgotten storeroom. Miscellaneous articles required for the maintenance of a castle were piled in disorganized heaps at infrequent intervals towards the wall opposite the barbarian's piercing stair. Utilizing long, bounding strides, Grignier paced his way over to the mounds of supplies to discover if any articles of value were contained within their midst. Detecting a faint clinking sound. Grignir sprawled to his left side with the speed of a striking cobra, landing harshly upon his back, torch and axe loudly clattering to the floor in a morass of sparks and flames. An elm-woven board leaped from collapsed flooring, clashing across the jagged flooring and spewing a shower of orange and yellow sparks over Grignir's startled face. Rising uneasily to his feet, the half-stunned accordion glared down at the gruesome arm of death he had unwittingly sprung. Mrf- fr- mritf- Mrifk! 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 If not for his keen auditory organs and lightning-steeled reflexes, Grignir would have been groping through the shadowed hell pits of the Grim Reaper. He had unknowingly stumbled upon an ancient, long-forgotten booby-trap a mistake which would have stunted the perusal of longevity of one less agile. A mechanism similar in type to that of a miniature catapult was concealed beneath two collapsible sections of granite flooring. The arm of the device was four feet long, boasting razor-like cleats at regular intervals along its face, with which it was to skewer the luckless body of its would-be victim. Grignir had stepped upon a concealed catch which released a small metal latch beneath the two granite sections, causing them to fall inward, and thereby loose the spiked arm of death they precariously held in. Partially out of curiosity and partially out of an inordinate fear of becoming a pincushion for a possible second trap, Grignir plunged his torch into the exposed gap in the floor. The floor of a second chamber stood out seven feet below the glare. Tossing his torch through the aperture, The aperture, Grignir grasped the side of an adjoining tile, dropping down. Glancing about the room, Grignir discovered that he had descended into the palace's mausoleum. Rectangular stone crypts cluttered the floor at evenly placed intervals. The tops of the enclosures were plated with thick layers of virgin gold, while the sides were plated with white ivory, at one time sparkling but now grown dingy through the passage of the rays of all-encompassing mother time. Featured at the head of each sarcophagus in tarnished silver was an an expugnatively was an expugnatively carved likeness of its rotting inhabitant. A dingy atmosphere pervaded the air of the chamber, which sealed in the enclosure for an unknown period, had which sealed in the unknown enclosure for an unknown period, had grown thick and stale. Intermingling with the curdled currents was the repugnant stench of slowly mouldering flesh, creeping ever slowly but surely, through minute cracks in the numerous vaults. Due to the embalming of the bodies, their flesh decayed at a much slower rate than is normal, yet the nauseous odour was nonetheless repellent. Towering over Grignir's head was the trap he released. The mechanism of the miniaturized catapult was cluttered with mildew and cobwebs. Notwithstanding these relics of antiquity, its efficiency remained unimpinged. To the right of the trap wound a short stairway through a through a recession in the ceiling, a concealed entrance leading to the mausoleum for which the catapult had obviously been erected as a silent, relentless guardian. Climbing up the side of the device, Grignor set to the task of resetting its mechanism. In the event that a search was organized, it would prove well to leave no evidence of his presence open to wandering eyes. Besides, it might even serve to dwindle the size of an opponent force. Descending from his perch, Grigner was startled by a faintly muffled scream of horrified desperation. His hair prickled yawkishly in disorganized clumps along his scalp as a cold danced along the length of his spinal cord. No moral mortal barrier, human or otherwise, was capable of arousing the numbing sensation of fear inside of Grigner's smoldering soul. However, he was overwrought by the forces of the barbarian's instinctive fear of the supernatural. His mighty thews had always served to adequately conquer any tangible foe, but the intangible was something distant and terrible. Dim, horrifying tales passed by word of mouth over glimmering campfires and skins of wine had more than once served the purpose of chilling the marrowed core of his sturdy-limbed bones. Yet, the scream contained a strangely human quality, unlike that which Grignir imagined would come from the lungs of a demon or spirit, making Grignir take short, nervous strides, advancing to the sarcophagus from which the sound was issuing. Clenching his teeth in an attempt to steal his jangled nerves, Grignir slid the engraved slab from the vault with a sharp rasp of grinding stone. Another long-drawn cry of terror infested oh, another long-drawn cry of terror-infested anguish met the barbarian, scoring like the shrill piping of a demented banshee, piercing the inner fibers of his superstitious brain with primitive dread, dread and awe. Stooping over to espy the tomb's contents. The glittering accordion's nostrils were singed by the scorching aroma of a moldering corpse, long shut up and fermenting. The same putrid scent which permeated the entire chamber, though multiplied to a much more concentrated dosage. The shriveled leathery packet of crumbling bones and dried, flacking flesh offered no resistance, but remained in a fixed position of perpetual vigilance Watching over its dim abode from hollow gaping sockets. The tortured Chris were not coming from the tomb, but from some hidden depth below. Pulling the wrecking cork mm, pulling the wrecking corpse from its resting place, Grignir tossed it to the floor in a broken, mangled heap. Upon one side of the crypt's bottom was an attached Sorry, upon one side of the crypt's bottom was attached a series of tiny hinges, while running parallel along the opposite side of a convex railing-like protuberance, laid so as to appear as a part of the interior surface of the sarcophagus. Raising the slab upon its bronze, bronze hinges, long removed from the gaze of human eyes, Grignier perceived a scene which caused his blood to smolder, not unlike bubbling molten lava directly below him a whimpering female lay stretched upon a smooth surfaced marble altar a pack of grassy-faced shaman oh a pack of grazy-faced shaman cl- a pack of grazy-faced shaman clustered around her in a tight circular formation crouched over the girl was a tall pot-bellied priest his face dominated by a disgusting, open-mouthed grimace of sadistic glee. Suspended from the acolyte's clenched right hand was a carven oval-faced mallet which he waved menacingly over the girl's shadowed face, an incoherent gibberish flowing from his grinning, thick-lipped mouth. In the face of the amorphous, broad-braided female, stretched out alluringly before his gaping eyes. The universal whim of nature filing a plea of despair inside of his hot white soul, Grignir acted in the only manner he could perceive. Giving vent to a hoarse, throat-rending battle cry, Grignir plunged into the midst of the startled shaman, torch simmering in his left hand and axe twirling in his right hand. A gaunt, Skull-faced priest standing at the far side of the altar, clutched desperately at his throat, coughing furiously in an attempt to catch his breath. Lurching helplessly to and fro, the acolyte pitched headlong against the gleaming base of a massive jade idol. Writhing agonizedly against the hideous image, foam flecking his chalk-white lips, the priest struggled helplessly. The vip the, the- oh, the victim- of an epileptic seizure. Oh, the victim of an epileptic seizure. Startled by the barbarian's stunning appearance, the chronic fit of their fellow, and the fear that Grigner might be the avant-garde of a conquer. I'm sorry. Startled by the barbarian's stunning appearance, the chronic fit of their fellow and the fear that Grignir might be the avant-garde of a conquering force dedicated to the cause of destroying their degenerated cult, the seamen momentarily lost their composure. Giving vent to heedless pandemonium, the priests fell easy prey to Grignir’s sweeping arc of crimson death and maiming destruction. The acolyte performing the sacrifice took a vicious blow to the stomach, hands clutching vitals and severed spinal cord as he sprawled over the altar. The disorganized priests lir- oh! The disorganized priests lurched and staggered with split skulls, dismembered limbs, and spewing entrails before the enraged accordion's relentless onslaught. The howless of the maimed and dying reverberated against the walls of the tiny chamber. A chorus of hell, fraught despair, as the granite floor ran red with blood. The entire chamber was encompassed in the heat of raw, savage butchery as Grignir luxuriated in the grips of a primitive, beastly bloodlust. Presently, all went silent, save for the ebbing groans of the sinking shaman and Grignir's heaving breath accompanied by several gusty curses. The well had run dry, No more lambs remain for the slaughter. The rampaging stead of death having taken of Grignir for the moment left the barbarian free to the exploitation of his other, Perusials. Towering over his head was the misshaped image of the cult's hideous deity, Argon. The fantastic size of the idol, in consideration of its being of pure jade, was enough to cause the senses of any man to stagger and reel, yet thus was not the case for the behemoth. He had paid only casual notice to this incredible fact, while riveting the whole of his attention upon the jewel protruding from the idol's sole socket, its masterfully cut faucets emitting blinding rays of hypnotizing beauty. After all, A man cannot slink from a heavily guarded palace while burdened down by the intense bulk of a squatting statue, providing, of course, that the idol can even be hefted, which in fact was beyond the reaches of Grignir's coursing stamina. On the other hand, the jewel, gigantic as it was, would not present a hindrance of any mean concern. (laughs) Help me. Please, I can make it, oh, I can make it, oh, oh, help me, please, I can make it well worth your while, pleaded a soft, anguish-strewn voice, wafting over Grignir's shoulders as he plucked the dull red emerald from its roots. Turning, Grignir faced the female that had lured him into this bloodbath, but whom had all but but whom had become all but forgotten in the heat of the battle. You, ejaculated the accordion in a pleased tone. Oh, it is, oh, you! ejaculated the accordion in a pleased tone. I though that I had seen the last of you at the tavern, but verily I was mistaken. Oh, my God. Grignir advanced into the grips of the female's entrancing stare severing the golden chains that held her captive upon the altar's highly polished face of ornamental limestone. As Grignir lifted the girl from the altar, her arms wound dexterously about his neck, soft and smooth against his harsh exterior. Art thou pleased that we have chance to meet once again? Grignir merely voiced and sighed grunt, returning the damsel's embrace while he smothered her trim "'delicate lips between the coursing protrusions of his reeking maw. (laughs) (laughs) "'Let us take leave of this wretched chamber,' "'stated Gregnir as he placed the female upon her feet.' She swooned a moment, causing Grignir to give her give her, her support, then regained her stance. Art thou able to find your way through the accursed passages of this palace? mrifk every one of the corridors of this damned place are identical. Aye, I, I was at one time a slave of Prince Agafim. His... Claimy touch sent a sour swill through my belly, but my efforts reaped a harvest. I gained the pig's liking whereby he allowed me the freedom of the palace. It was through this means that I eventually managed escape of the palace. It was a simple matter to seduce the sentry at the western gate. His trust found him with a dagger thrust his ribs. The wench stated Whimsicorically, <laughs> the wench stated whimsicorically. What were you doing at the tavern whence I discovered you? asked Grignir as he lifted the female through the opening into the mausoleum. I had sought to lay low from the palace's guards as they conducted their search for me. The tavern was seldom frequented by the palace guards, and my identity was unknown to the common soldiers. It was through the disturbance that you caused that the palace guards were attracted to the tavern. I was dragged away shortly after you were escorted to the palace. What are you called by, female? Carthina, daughter of Mincardos, Duke of Barwego. Those lands border along the northwestern fringes of Gorzon. I was paid as homage to Agafim upon his thirty-eighth year, husked the femme. <laughs> Sorry, Carthina. Car- um, <clears throat> Carthina, daughter of Minkardos, Duke of Barweco, whose lands bordered along the northwestern fringes of Gorzon. I was paid as homage to Agafim upon his thirty-eighth year, husked the femme. "'And I am called a barbarian,' grunted Gregnir in a disgusted tone. "'I... "'Oh. "'Oh. "'I... "'The ways of our civilization are in many ways warped and distorted. "'But what is your calling?' she queried. "'Bustily?' "'Gregnir of Accordia.' "'Ah, I have heard vaguely of Accordia.' It is the hill country to the far east of the Noragolian Empire. I have also heard Agafim curse your land more than once when his troops were routed in the unaccustomed mountains and gorges," saith she. Aye, my people are not tarnished by petty luxuries and baubles. They remain fierce and unconquerable in their native climes. After reaching the hidden panel at the head of the stairway, Grignir was at a loss in regard to its operation. His fiercest heaves were as pebbles against burnished armor. Carthina depressed a small symbol included within the elaborate design upon the panel, whereupon it opened slowly and slid into a cleft in the wall. How did you come to be the victim of these crazed shaman? quested Grignir as he escorted Carthina through the piles of rummage on the left side of the trap. By Agaphim's orders, I was thrust into a secluded cell to await his passing of sentence. By some means, the priests of Argon acquired a set of keys to the cell. They slew the guard placed over me and abducted me to the chamber in which you chanced to come upon the skastik skatik skaskdik sacrifice come upon the Skazkstik sacrifice. Their hell-spawned cult demands a sacrifice once every three moons upon its full journey through the heavens. They were startled by your unannounced appearance, through the fear that you had been sent by Agaphim. The prince would surely have submitted them to his most ghastly of tortures if he had ever discovered their unfaithfulness to Sargon, his bastard deity. Many of the partakers of the ritual were high nobles and high trustees of the inner palace. Agafim's pitiless wrath would have been unparalleled. They have no more to fear of Agafim now. Oh. They have no more to fear of Agafim now, bellowed Grignir in a deep, mirthful tone, a gleeful smirk upon his face. I have seen that they were delivered from his vengeance. Mm. Engrossed by Carthena's graceful stride and conversation, oh, engrossed by Carthina's graceful stride and conversation, Grignir failed to take note of the footfalls rapidly approaching behind him as he swung aside the arched portal linking the chamber with the corridors beyond a maddened blood-lusting screech reverberated from his eardrums, seemingly utilizing the speed of thought. Grignir swivelled to face his unknown foe. With gaping eyes and widened jaws, Grignir raised his axe above his surly mien, but he was too late. That brings us to the end of chapter six and the close of tonight's episode of Good Stories with Nick. Join us next time for chapter seven and beyond when we find out what it was that was just too late. Good night. Sleep well. Sweet dreams.